Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is Metal Mike and 1989 was the peak of 80s metal. So in this episode, we present our favorite 10 metal albums from 1989. I'm joined by my friend Frank, who is a supporter of the podcast through Anchor. You should consider supporting the podcast through Anchor. Check out the link in the description below. And make sure you like and subscribe if you're on YouTube. It's time to check it out. Frank, welcome to the 80s Glam Metal Cast. How you doing, brother? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me and uh, love your show. Thank you, man. Hey, and I just want to let everybody know, Frank is a supporter through Anchor. Uh, We got connected through email. We've been talking back and forth trying to figure out you know, what can we talk about on this show? And one idea I've been kicking around for a long time is I wanted to do a 1989 episode because in my book, Frank, this is the pinnacle of hair metal and glam metal and metal in general. What do you think? Well, it's it's such a special year. And then, and for me, I'm, I'm older than you, but this was my senior year of high school. So this was this was great. This was just a great year to, and I love the idea when you threw that out there with some of the other albums released like the year prior or the year after I, I kind of had to go back through to make sure that this wasn't released in 89 <laughs> because it was so tough just to work through this list as it was with 1989 it's just, like, just so many different gr- groups that I just love and uh, this was hard this was really difficult <laughs> yeah no no doubt man I, I kind of uh, and ultimately, just to let the listeners know, we're we're gonna do a top ten. So we're gonna go through uh, our top ten albums. But let's let's talk about 1989 a little bit because you know I just like I said I said it you know at the start of this I feel like this is the peak. This is the zenith. You know we've got so many albums uh, like new bands like debut albums coming out, and a lot of other bands are are kind of like hitting their stride where they're putting out some of their biggest albums like motley crew for example i mean you've got kiss and alice cooper still out there making albums but then you've got all these bands like nitro cats and boots babylon ad pretty boy floyd i mean i could sit here for an hour and i still wouldn't you know catch all the bands that came out in 1989 no you're right and and uh when you say self-titled i mean there's five of them on my top 10 that are self-titled albums right so that's a <laughs> so that just goes to show that yeah, there's a lot coming out at that time, and then yeah, then you have some that were you know on their second or third, and then like Motley, like their fifth, you know. So it was this was this was amazing. It's amazing year. Now I'm gonna go through and just tell you this is the criteria that I used, and, and if you want to share what you use, go ahead. So my top one is do I like every song? Okay, that was one I, I thought was important. The musicianship and the production obviously came into play. Is there a yep. cool vibe? Sometimes an album just has a cool vibe, you know, so I, that kind of came into play. Here's another one I got. Maybe I don't love every song, but the ones I do love <laughs> are so good that it makes up for the oh, other yeah. songs that aren't that hot. And finally, it's like, how does it sound to my ears today? Because there are some albums that I thought were amazing in 89, and when I go back to them, I'm kind of like, eh. I don't know if I like that one as much. And then other albums, uh, maybe it took me 30 years to realize how great it was. What was some of the criteria that you used? Um, pretty similar. Uh, I tried to go back to that 1989, and if, if you could, 
you know, like have a clicker on how many times you, you think you played that album and, mm-hmm. and you just know you wore out the cassette. Like, I mean, at the time it was still playing cassettes and had the, maybe had the album and the cassette and CD at that time. You know, if I owned all three platforms, it seemed like that, that one went on my list and, uh, there was a couple of them like that. Then how they still hold up to this day, the production, do I love every song on the album? You know, that would rank it higher. Um, it, and then, yeah, there was a couple with uh, with the quality of, of production that, that kind of fell off my list because uh-huh. of that. But, yeah, it was more about trying to go back in that time and when, what I feel like I listened to the most. And that's pretty much how I went about it, just to kind of narrow it down because I was having such a hard time. <laughs> <laughs> I was shuffling, too. I don't know about you, but I was doing some shuffling. I'm like, I had it, and then all of a sudden I was like, nope, nope, they got to do some shuffling. Oh, it was so hard. I mean, I just had, like, this whole other list, and I, and I wasn't. I'm not kidding with like 20 where it's like so hard to leave off, but, but you know, they, it just, once we tried to hit, uh, you know, that, that top 10 and you had to, um, break it down in ways that, that this one has to slide off because this one was just, it has to, this one has to go in there, mm-hmm. you know? Yep. So that was really, really a struggle. And I have a feeling, I don't know about you, but I have a feeling that when some people listen to this, they're going to be screaming at me through their device, you know, at, they're screaming at their <laughs> device at me, how could you pick that number one? How is this one not on there? And I'll, and I'm, maybe when we're done, I'll go through a couple like honorable mentions and maybe why this album didn't make it. But Frank, start us off, man. What, what's your number 10? So, um, my number 10 is Molly Crew, Dr. Feelgood. Yeah! If you have a touch-tone phone, call us on the Motley Crew hotline. 1-900-9328-CREW! Yeah! You could win an autographed poster of us or a personal phone call to your home. And um, it's, it's the lowest on my list, but they were a top band for me, you know, coming out when I was younger at the time. And for me, I felt like this was a comeback album because I, I wasn't big fan of theater of pain and girls 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 had some some strong songs but dr Fieldhood was a comeback album i think for them i i felt and it was you know bob rock so well produced and they had strong songs in it you know then just sold you know six million copies or whatever it was i mean it just was a a strong album for them and a comeback album yeah so i just feel like in the mtv i just remember um when Dr. Feelgood was going to be the world premiere video on MTV and this, the anticipation, just wanting to hear what, what they were going to bring. And, 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 uh, yeah, it was a solid album. And that's, that's where it falls for me at, at number 10. Nice. Well, I am going to make one revelation right now is that Dr. Feelgood is not in my top 10. And I'm going to explain just quick why. And I think it's, uh, I loved it at the time. I probably thought it was their best album. But then going back, like now when I listen to it, um, I think the singles are incredible. But once again, they're the singles and they're kind of all played out to me by listening to Hair Nation and things like that. And then the deep right. tracks, I, I don't like them anymore. I can't, I'm just going to be honest. I don't like She Goes Down or Rattlesnake Shake or Slice Your Pride. I just don't really like those songs anymore. I don't know why. When I look at other albums, like when I look at their first three, maybe. There's cool deep tracks that I like, you know what I mean? And this album oh, just doesn't have any for me. So it has great singles. Once again, five singles. That was unheard of for Motley Crue at that time. Um, but I do like Dr. Feelgood, but I, I, that would have been one of my honorable mentions. So I'm going to say what mine is. 
My number 10, and this was not easy because I love this album, but I, I just ended up here. Somebody's got to be 10. Uh, White, Snake, <laughs> White Snake, Slip of the Tongue, man. We've got some heavy stuff on there like Judgment Day, Wings of the Storm. And then the singles, I don't know what about these singles, but I still love them like Fool for Your Loving and Now You're Gone. And I love the pairing of Steve Vai with David Coverdale. Some people don't like it. But I think Steve Vai is just brings an odd, cool vibe, and I love like sailing ships. I think that's such a majestic tune, and I just love everything about this album. I love Coverdale's voice, the songs. Um, I don't know, man. I'm just that's my ten. And and I think this for me is kind of like how Motley Crue was for you. Like it wasn't. It's hard to follow up 1987, even bringing in Steve Vai. Oh, yeah. I, I I just didn't feel it was. It's strong, and I, I did see him on that tour, which was it was outstanding to see Steve Vai um, with that band. But I, I think I loved him more, say, with David Lee mm-hmm. Roth, yeah, uh, solo band. Um, that's the Steve Vai I loved, and and kind of fell in love with that guitar playing, and that I don't know, it just seemed to fit David Lee Roth. It didn't, didn't feel like it fit uh, White Snake. As much. Mm-hmm. No, I understood. I understand that, man. A lot of people feel the same way. What do you got for nine? So nine. Uh, this was one that I just. I know I played over and over and just loved it. Just from the harmonies and I knew. Uh, well, I'll say it, it's enough is enough. Their self-titled nice. album. Um, and uh, I knew Derek Frigo from Le Mans, the band Le Mans, and his guitar playing in that band. And, yeah, the the harmonies with Donnie and, and Chip and and just the I don't know it was I mean Beatlesque I guess at the you know for for me and you know I I love the Beatles but I mean at that time I wasn't so much into the Beatles as maybe I am today mm-hmm. but so this was this was uh, this was a special album for me at that time and I just loved it. Yeah. Uh, I'm with you. I, I like that one. That is not on my list. <laughs> Another revelation. Uh, but <laughs> but I, but I I like enough enough, and I and I definitely dig that album. And I had that album back in the day. So that that is definitely a good choice for number nine. I've got Wasp, uh, the Headless Children, and mm, yes. I I love this album. The reason why I didn't rank it higher because I feel like this is one of those albums where there's a, a handful of really great songs, and then there's some sleepers. There's a few songs that like I just not really that into but i mean when you look at like that the title track mean man the real me uh forever free you know it's so good and it was nice to see wasp kind of uh getting some attention from mtv because it's probably something that never really happened too much for wasp so to see them on dial mtv with forever free and the real me and i mean come on we got johnny rod chris holmes and frankie vanelli <laughs> That was a kick-ass band, man. Uh, so yeah, it, I, and I love yeah, and I love always have loved Wasp. It's always been one of my favorite bands. But I do feel that they don't. I don't know if there's a ton of albums of theirs. Maybe aside from the first two, where I just feel like once you get past the first two, there's just like, there's some really good songs, and then there's just okay songs. They're not they're not terrible, but they're not they don't stand out to me. So that's why I got Wasp because for that reason. Yeah, and and I think for some of that that you kind of explained there is why they fell off my top ten. Even though I I, I did I did like that one. It was it was it's on my list of so hard to leave off mm-hmm. list. Um, but I, I like you were mentioning the first two albums. I mean, I know I played all the time mm-hmm. at that time when they came out, and it was those were strong records for me. And then by this time, uh, there were some hit and misses 
on this album in particular. And but it was felt like it was a, a darker, I guess even say mature album yep. on on some level. I don't know if that's the right way to word it, but no, it was, it it, was. the production and and everything. So I, I really liked it. It was like I said, it was hard to leave off. But that that some of that's why. Totally understand, man. What do you got for eight? So eight is another special band. I know they're special to you as well. Uh, Lillian X, uh, oh! War, would. <laughs> yeah. and uh, yeah, so this, these guys are uh, a special. I got to, uh, I don't want to go too far in this, uh, but I got to meet them back in the day, just after their first release and before this this album came out. And I knew uh, they had a three of the members were in a band called Stiff. Yep. Um, before they joined Lillian Axe uh, with Stevie and. Um, so I love that five song like EP of, of Stiff, and then it turned into Lillian Axe, and then so I just felt like I I knew them earlier in their career, and then kind of got to know them as they grew into Lillian Axe, and then and then with this release, uh, I was just a, just love the diversity of this album and the musicianship, mm-hmm. and his guitar playing is uh, amazing, and I love Ron Taylor's vocals. Oh, it's just it was a strong big package for me that I just I just uh, I just loved it well you want to hear something crazy do, 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 do. this is a, <laughs> I got Lillian X loving war at number eight and I know everybody who yeah. knows how much I like Lillian X is probably like how is this not higher but I'm gonna try to explain um okay I I don't know what it is but I always as a kid I, I probably got both these, the debut and, and this right about the same time. I think I, I didn't get the debut till 89, and then this came out, and, and I kind of was enjoying both of those at the same time. As a kid, I always thought Love and War was better. As an adult, I, I like this, the debut better, which makes no sense because the, the Love and War is a more mature album with some really interesting stuff on it, like Ghost of Winter and Letters in yeah. the Rain. And, and, I, and I guess at the end of the day, maybe I just like music that's more fun and straightforward now as an adult and and i don't really want to hear like all this epic track type stuff so for me uh i i i I gravitate toward that original between you know the debut between these two but always man probably one of my favorite lillian x songs of all time is always going to be all's fair and love and war you know she was 19 hair black as the dead of night you know i mean it's so it's so cool that song kicks ass that song will always be my favorite song um i love the cover of my number uh and like i said i already mentioned some of those epic tracks but for me as a full album for me just to sit and enjoy it um, it's just not as enjoyable anymore to me as as much as the debut. So if the debut was eighty nine, that might have been my number one. But since Love and War, we're just it's like I said, I love it, but it's just there's there's just some songs that just don't resonate the way they used to to me. So that's why that brings this a little bit down. But I'm always gonna love the axe, and I always love Ron Taylor, and I'm always gonna keep stoning Ron Taylor to come on the show. And he said once he's got <laughs> something going on, he'll come on. So we'll we'll see if he does. <laughs> that would be awesome. That would be awesome. What do you have for His seven? Great. What do you got for seven? Seven. Seven. Um, Faster Pussycat, Wake Me When It's Over. Nice. Um, and, uh, you you know, you just did uh, House of Pain. You guys rocked that out. That was amazing. Thanks, man. Um, yeah. Uh, but this, this album was another, I think, special one for me. I, I love their debut. Um, but I felt like the songwriting just was so clever and the music was, was just, it was, it was bluesy, it was rock, it was, they 
it was like lightning in a bottle with with this release. They just really hit it on all cylinders, I, I, in my opinion. And so I, I just love that that album. I like that one too. Um, I don't have it on my list, but obviously, um, especially House of Pain. I love House of Pain. I love Poison Ivy, and, and all the tracks are good. And you're right, that's more of a, a step up sonically and, and musically than the debut. But um, yeah, for some reason, I do not have that one on my list. But what I do have in spot seven, and, and other people will be shocked maybe of why this would be ranked where it is, but it is what it is. Uh, I've got Sabotage, uh, Gutter Ballet. Um, I'm a huge Sabotage fan. And anybody who follows the show, I think I've interviewed almost every guy that's ever been in Sabotage. Oh, yeah. Or a lot of the key members, at least. The song Gutter Ballet, the song uh, When the Crowds Are Gone, Mentally Yours, this incorporation of the piano and this almost queen metal type thing that they've got going on is just phenomenal. Now, some people are obsessed with songs like The Hounds and She's in Love, where it gets more metal, you know, just straightforward metal. But I prefer that beginning part of the album that has the piano and has that new sound actually that they're trying to uh, develop. So I, that's why I don't put it as like when I, if I, do I love every single song? No. Are the songs that I love super strong and can make up for it? Of course. Uh, and when I talked to John Oliva, he had said that, you know, the album was already going with these heavy songs. And then he had this idea, him and Paul, to do some of this kind of piano stuff. So those songs were kind of brought in at the end. So in some respects, um, Gutter Ballet is like a disjointed effort because some of the songs, they're not, you know. But then again, if you talk about Queen, um, I mean, I could talk about Queen all day. I should do a podcast episode <laughs> about Queen because people probably don't know that about me. I love Queen. I love all their albums, but um, you know, Queen can put out an album where every song is a different style of music. You know, they can pull it off. But um, for me, I just like that, that what they were doing with Gutter Ballet and when the crowds are gone so much, and they don't really do much with that again until you get to the end of the album. So, um, but I but I love it, man. I mean, that album was was definitely you know opened my eyes to sabotage, and I've been a nut ever since. Yeah, that one was hard to leave off my list. That one. Uh... Yeah, that was that was a tough one. Um, that one hit me as well, and I, I loved you know the like, all the elements you just mentioned with the piano and but um, you know interesting that that they already had some of the album written and mm-hmm. then bringing that in. But yeah, sorry, that one was hard to leave off. <laughs> hey, so so hey, some people are going to be disappointed. That's the way this this kind of shit goes. All right, number six, my friends. It's called cocked and loaded. That's good. We'll be back with more juicy gossip from L.A. Guns. Number six, um, L.A. Guns, Cocked and Loaded. Nice. Um, nice. Again, uh, you know, this is another one where their debut was was part of my, you know, soundtrack of my life at, at that time. And then with this coming in, just another great, solid album from them. And, you know, Tracy Guns and so Lewis, just a uh, nice. good combination uh, vocals and, and, and guitar playing and, and just the the hooks, uh, the straightforward. It's a little bit more produced than the first album, but I, I still think it's, you know, got some rawness to it. And I just, I just, great for that time. Yeah. For sure. It's a great album. And I'm going to be honest, this is, this is an honorable mention for me. This would be 11. All right. But, but and this, I think this was in there at one point, And I think until Sabotage came to mind, because I, I think I was really focusing on like the hair model, glam model. And then once I was like, wow, we right. can do anything from 89, I think 
Poor L.A. Guns got knocked out by Sabotage. But, man, I, I do love this album. And it is a major step up from the debut, in my opinion. And, I mean, especially, I, I love, uh, you know, Never Enough. I love I Want to Be Your Man. Slap in the Face. I mean, it, it's just a kick-ass album. And I yeah, I can't fault you for having it on your list. Like I said, it, it, it almost <laughs> was. It was it was on mine at one point, and it got kicked off. But, you know, it's an incredible album. Yeah, I have that number 11 as well uh, on my list. So I can throw that out later if that works in somewhere <laughs> <laughs> so what is your are we on five yeah what's your five? Oh, did i do my five, six uh, see, see this is how this is how you get lost i even got a piece of paper and i'm still lost okay i gotta do my six <laughs> or my yeah i gotta do my six okay so my my six okay this one is one of those albums where i think i i liked it as a kid i had i bought it in 1989 but over the years that i've realized what a great album it is leather boys with electric toys that describes Pretty Boy Floyd. And it's Pretty Boy Floyd, Leather Boys with Electric Toys. I mean, this album is, is like a, it's a glam metal, hair metal masterpiece, in my opinion. I mean, it, it just has everything. And he's got the sleazy glam voice. You've got the guitar playing, the songs, 48 Hours, Mama Won't Know, Last Kiss, Wild Angels. I mean, it, it's just a masterpiece. I think every song on this album is good. I remember... I, a couple years back, I, I had a car that had a tape deck in it, okay? And uh, I know it was still, it was way past tapes, but it had a tape deck. And I would listen to this tape, <laughs> like, for like a week straight back and forth to work. And then, like, it was like, it was like an aha moment. I was like, this album is amazing. I always liked it, but I don't think I knew how good it was, you know? And uh, and he, when I talked to Howard Benson about it, and, and he felt the same way. The guy who produced it, he's like, man... You know, yeah. I for the longest time he kept it off of his, his his credits of albums that he's produced, and then he said he went back and listened to it one day, and he's like, "It's freaking amazing! It's it's a great catchy album." So that you know, that's that's one that I think you know I'm listening to or giving it more of a chance these days, but mm-hmm. it didn't quite hit me at that time, and I and I don't really quite understand why. It just maybe just because there was so much at that time that that one just didn't hit me as. As the, as certain other releases that particular year, mm-hmm. but uh, but it's a, it is it is uh, it is a good one. I just it just didn't hit me like it hit you, I guess. Yeah, and and other and other people from that from that era. Oh, definitely. Uh, so my number five um, is is a self titled uh, album, it Badlands, um, and they were um, with you know obviously Jakey Lee and his his band coming out with. Gillen, but uh, this one, oh man, what a what a strong debut, and what a th- this this one I can just put in, and, and I just love every song, and it's the, the, just Jake's playing and the bluesiness and the vocals and bass drums, I and mean, just it has it's just a full package of musicianship, and it's it's just solid, and I, it's hard to even put it number five. It should probably go up on certain <laughs> weeks. <and> just, <laughs> Dude, we could do this list again in two weeks from now. It could be totally different, you know? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yep. I, I didn't have this one on my list. Um, I, I think as a complete album, 
it's never totally resonated with me, but there's certain songs and definitely the musicianship of all these guys. This is like a freaking super group, man, with Greg, Eric, oh, yeah. uh, Jake, and, and Ray. So I, I definitely appreciate how good they are, but for some reason, as a complete album, it, you know, it didn't make my list, but I mean, no, Badlands kicks major ass, no doubt about it. Okay, so here's what I've got at five. This will be another one where people could be yelling at me through through their, you know, yelling at their iPad or their phone when I, when I say this one, but I'm, I'm I'm huge into Britney Fox, man, and I know some of the yep. band members don't like Boys in Heat that much. It, it must be my guilty pleasure. That's another one. I've, I've got that <laughs> one in my car on, on CD, and I can listen to that album for a whole week, man. I love every song. I, I do admit there may be too many songs. Um, maybe a few could be cut off, but I don't know. Something about that album. It just I love the song Angel in My Heart. I love Long Road, In Motion, Long Way From Home. I just I think that's just a great album, man. I don't know what it is. And once again, it's a fun album. Is it? Is it? You know, technically to where Sabotage or Wasp is? No, not even close. But there's something about it for me that works. It just has a cool vibe. It's a fun album. The songs are catchy, well written, and uh, I just love it, man. Well, and that, and this one, I, I loved it as well. And you know, I love their debut, but I love this one as well. And spent a lot of time with it, and it was. Again, one of those that was just it's on my hard to leave off list, and uh, but everything that you mentioned, it's got you know great songs. His vocals are his vocals are you know unique yep. and and uh, the the songs were, were fun and it was just, I you know just it fit that time and it fit what I loved at, at the time and and uh, so yeah, hard to leave hard to leave off for me. It's okay, <laughs> my feelings are hurt. <laughs> I can be a weirdo. I had a feeling that was going to make your top ten, just, <laughs> just from some of the things you've said in your other podcasts. Right, right. I feel like because of things I've said and people that I've interviewed, that maybe some of mine are predictable. You know, like the Lillian Axe and Brittany Fox, and probably some things that are about to come are very predictable. So, what do you have for four? For number four, um, again, this one could probably go up, not down, but um, it's Tesla, the Great Radio Controversy. Nice, just. Probably one of my favorite bands at that time, and I mean to this day, uh, even just a great record as a whole. The I love the acoustic and the electric. You know, Tommy and Frank's combination just really just wrote great tunes, and Jeff's vocals were again just unique and fit that style of music. And and they were just a little different. I think sometimes them getting thrown into the hair band kind of genre they they were i think straight ahead rock and roll yeah band but they they fell into that 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 genre but which is you know i don't know if they take that personally but i i mean i think they were just a great rock band and this is this album and, and the debut was is still one of my favorites so i mean this is just a, a band that i absolutely love and, and appreciate and uh that's that keeps them high on my list now Here's something that people probably notice about the podcast. There's never been anyone from Tesla on the podcast. And it's because I am I like Tesla, but I've just never been huge into Tesla. I, I have a lot of respect for them. Um, I have, I think these, I've had the debut and the and Great Radio Controversy. But, and I thought Great Radio Controversy was a big step up from the debut, at least for me personally. I love like Hang mm-hmm. Tough and... and um, uh, Heaven's Trail and all that kind of stuff. So mm-hmm. I, I like a Tesla, but for some reason just never 
you know, got into them really big and definitely not something that I play a lot today. So, you know, just out of fairness, you know, I don't want to waste anybody's time. So I haven't had them on because for me, it's always easier when I really like the band, <laughs> you know, like a lot. And, for sure. And so it's an easy, it's an easier interview and it's a lot more fun. So that, so if anyone's ever noticed, there's never been a Tesla member on. I'm not saying I wouldn't interview Tesla. Now I've just ruined my chances to interview Tesla, but you know. <laughs> So, so here's what I got for four. And at the beginning of all this, I talked about an L. I talked about maybe an album could have a really cool vibe. Okay, this one for me not only has amazing vocals, just out of control guitar playing, and it has a cool vibe. It has a strange vibe. It's almost like a, a to me as a kid, it felt like some kind of a mystical vibe. And uh, I don't know what it is about it. None of their other albums sound like this album. Um, I'm a big TNT nut. And I've talked to oh, yeah. Ronnie and and um, and Tony, and I love those guys. Yeah. And there's just something about that album. I can go through that, listen to that straight through. Tell Mo Tales is, is pretty damn amazing as well. But that, oh. that came out in 1987. But but yeah, Intuition, especially the song, is so great. We just uh, fall over our hearts, uh, especially on Intuition, which is all about following the heart. And and there's uh, I think Fallen Take Me Down Fallen Angel. There's so many cool tunes on here. Just a cool vibe of this one, and just great talent. So yeah, that's my number four. And that was my number eleven that I couldn't quite squeeze in yeah. there. Yep. And I think it's just from a few songs on that album, but that one was was pretty special for me. And it, and I, you know, I started with them with Knights of the New Thunder, mm-hmm. and then yeah, Tell No Tales is just. I love that album. And then Intuition, strong, well-produced, and, and it's like there's like five songs in there that are like my top TNT songs. But, but yeah, there's a few that just made it drop a little bit, mm-hmm. and then that's why they fell to, I'd say, like number 11. Yeah. Nope, totally understand, man. We're, I can't believe we're, we're cruising right along. What is your three? I can't wait. <laughs> three. Three, uh... uh so Danger, Danger, their self-titled album. Nice. That, uh, that one, yeah, again, it's just great vocals, great guitar playing. You got, I mean, the layer of keyboards, the harmonies. Uh, just fun. It's just a fun album. And, and just the timing of it at the time uh, just hit on all cylinders for me. And I just, I just love it. I still love it to this day. I... I don't have Danger Danger on my list. I like Danger Danger. I think Ted Poley has an amazing voice. I think in 89, the reason why I didn't get heavy into them at that point, I, I felt like they were a little light compared to some stuff that I listened to. I don't know what it was. Like somehow they they had a Night Ranger type vibe, like really poppy rock metal, you know, and, and never been into Night I love Ranger. that. Yeah, see, I know. <laughs> so, so, but I, I appreciate that album. I, I love the singles and, and there's a lot of other great songs on there. And I love Ted Poley's voice, but for some reason, Danger Danger and I were just never like super connected. I, I don't know why that is. And like I said, everybody just has. It's funny how. And what's amazing is how many albums we've talked about. You have a lot of ones that I don't have, and vice versa. And these all came out right. in '89, and there's a shitload more that came out in '89. It's, it's crazy. I know. It's crazy. It's crazy. <laughs> My three is going to be a head scratcher, I think, for a lot of people, and and I don't really. Mm. I'm not wicked into any other album that they've ever done. This is the album for me that I just think is amazing. And it's Babylon AD, man. Their self-titled album. Oh. I don't know what it is about this album. 
this album has always sounded good to me, and in recent years, it just sounds even better. I mean, I think the singles are so damn catchy. You hammer swings down, bango the bells, and then there's some heavy stuff on there, like Back in Babylon, and then there's this crazy song at the end of the album called Sally Danced, and, she, and it's like this southern, uh, almost like bluesy type song. I don't know what it is, man, but it was all working. The whole Babylon AD thing just works as that album. As they progressed, I think they may have done one or two other albums, but not. They just they're not like that one. There's something about that album. I'm just wicked into it. I don't know what it is. <laughs> that one. That one did not <laughs> hit me. I mean, I remember Bangos the Bells. Yep. I can't remember the other track just now, but that one didn't register for me. Mm-hmm. I, I just. I listened to it. It's like one of those that you listen to at the time, and they're like, eh, you know, it's okay. But it wasn't strong enough for me to continue, I guess. Man, Frank, we're falling apart together, man, with these final choice. <laughs> what the hell? We we better we better come back. I have a feeling. I'm telling you right now, there's no way in hell you had the same number one as me, and I don't know if anybody will guess what my number one will be. But let's see what your number two is. Let's see if we can match up for two. Okay. I, I don't know. It's, it's, I'm, I'm kind of wondering. But so for me uh, – Warrant, Dirty, Rotten, Filthy, Stinkin' Rich uh, comes in at number two. And just for the many reasons of, you know, the songwriting, James' voice, the production, uh, the, the catchiness of it, the, the fun. And I remember I worked at a record store uh, back in the day, and um, we got like a four-song sampler of this album and I just remember just loving it at the time and kind of wore that out so by the time the album came out I just jumped on it that much more and then got the other songs as the full album and uh, I just wore it out yeah so that one that one was easy to keep up there on my on my list uh, these next two I, I just I know that these were, were very special albums for me at that time I don't, know, man. I don't know about that number two, man. I, I don't know. I don't, I'm not if that album deserves to be there. No, I'm just kidding. I, I got that one as my number two. <laughs> finally, finally. Oh, really? Yeah, that's my number two. Man, that album is so damn good. Uh, it should be a good. It's so damn good. It should be against the law. <laughs> Thirty-two pennies, big talk. I mean, and then you got these oddball tracks, but they're so good, like in the sticks or something. It's in just, the sticks. It's freaking awesome, man. Yeah. Cold sweat. I don't know. The whole thing is awesome. He's an amazing singer, great songwriter, cool, catchy melodies. Uh, freaking awesome, man. And and you know. I know that they, in some ways, I don't think in all ways, in some ways they progress with Cherry Pie. Like some of the sonics are better and um, maybe even some of the songs are a little bit deeper. But I say all the way, Dirty Rotten, Filthy, Sneakin' Rich, for me, is the best Warren album. And I love Dog Eat Dog because that's an, also a very mature and well-written album. But I don't think anybody anything touches the, de- the debut album by these guys. No way. I think you just said that. Perfectly. I, that's that's where I'm at. I'm on the same page. Well, I know for a fact we're not going to have the same number one. And <laughs> But I've come prepared to defend my number one. But let's hear what your number one is. Well, this one was kind of a no-brainer for me for that year. Um, and it's Skid Row's self-titled nice. um, album. Uh, Sebastian Bach's vocals, the, the just the guitar playing, the, the, the hooks, the... I mean, there was every Michael Wagner produced it, and I mean, to me, it was just a, a masterpiece for me. I, I at the time, uh, it yep, I, that one is like a sound that. I mean, this whole list is a soundtrack of my life for that year. But this one, 
was special. A, a spring break, you know, I just remember that particular, like, youth gone wild, going on spring break, you know, just like all these things just kind of connected and, and uh, it's, it's, yeah, it's just uh, my top number one for, for 1989. Well, I know a lot of people agree with you. I don't, but I know a lot of people agree with you. No, I, I, I like Skid Row. I like the debut. I, I actually think I like. I think I liked where they were going once they got to Slave to the Grind even better. Um, I remember. It's funny that we we have these. You've got these two up at the top because I feel like Warrant and Skid Row came out right at the same time. Uh, almost, I don't yeah. know if it was the same week, month. I don't know, but I remember like my best friend in school. He bought Skid Row and I bought Warrant, and I remember. You know, once to this day, I still like Warrant better. Uh, but you know, I mean, there's, I mean, everybody can contest that. You know, nobody sure. can fight that one. That Skid Row is uh, is not an awesome album. Now, my number one is going to come completely out of left field. And anybody who knows <laughs> some of the th- things I've had on the podcast might say, I-, I can see where you're going with this one. But my number one is Loudness, Soldier of Fortune. And I don't oh, know wow. if you've ever have do have you ever listened to this album? Do you have this album? Oh, absolutely! And it's, okay, and, yeah, and I and I love loudness. You know, I know that this is the first album with uh, Mike. Um, you just had him on your show not too long ago. Yeah, yeah, it's it's uh, it's a solid album. I just this one obviously hits you much differently. Yeah, and, and you know, it's funny if we go back to 1989. I remember the Christmas of '89. I got Soldier of Fortune and Slip of the Tongue for Christmas that year. <laughs> And I just, I don't know what it was about both of those albums. I just loved them. And, you know, maybe it's nostalgia. But today, I went back um, and I listened to the whole album of Soldier of Fortune today. I actually sealed my driveway today. I was off from work and I listened to Soldier of Fortune to say, Mike, are you crazy? Why are you putting this at your number one? <laughs> and you know what, man? I, I love stand, it. I stand by 100%. And I'm going to give a couple reasons why. First of all, let's talk about the guitar playing playing of Akira. He is phenomenal, and it's tasteful. He's fast, he's intricate, he's unique, and it's tasteful. It's very tasteful, the stuff that he does. Um, It's not like shredding, crazy type stuff. It really fits. To me, this whole album, I don't feel like there's a note out of place with this album. When I listen to it, Vasera's voice, and a lot of people don't look at this like, oh, this isn't loudness without without the original singer. And you know what? I understand that, and I kind of agree to an extent because that's the charm of loudness. It would be like taking Klaus Mine out of Scorpions or something and putting in some guy mm-hmm. that doesn't have an accent. Or you know, I know the accent and all that kind of stuff. That's the charm of the band. But Vissera has an amazing voice. He's an amazing lyricist. He writes great melodies. He's like the cherry on top of this awesome Sunday. I've always looked at loudness as like a, a <laughs> Japanese Van Halen or something. You know what I mean? The, the guitar playing yeah. is just unreal. And the drummer and the bass player kick ass too. I mean, go back. So anybody who doesn't think some nuts, go back, listen to like Danger of Love, Lost Without Your Love. Um, those are cool, like just tasteful rock tunes, metal tunes. And then you've got some crazy stuff at the end, like Demon Disease. And of course, the title track, and then You Shook Me. It's just crazy riffs, crazy solos, amazing vocals. It's the total package. So when I went back and listened to the whole thing today, I was like, man, this kicks ass. I'm sticking with it. There's probably two people that'll listen to this and say, yeah, I'm with you, man. And the rest of the people are going to be like, you're crazy. Why didn't you put Skid Row or Motley Crue up at the top? <laughs> I love it. 
I, I went back and listened to that album once you had uh, Mike on your show, mm-hmm. and it, it is, it's pretty solid. I, I think it's just one of those times, or one of those albums that at that time, that um, there was just so much, maybe that it just kind of slipped through a little bit. Still, still listened to it, but just didn't play it like I did some of the other releases from yeah. that year. Yeah, and the key thing is, you know, for everybody listening, it's it's your favorite, your favorite albums of '89. Doesn't mean it's the best album of '89. Doesn't mean what I like is better than what anybody else like. You know, what I mean, it's just like wh- there's something of what. Why did these albums resonate with you? You just don't know. Like you said, you, you spring break and you know senior year. There's all this got them for Christmas one year. You know, it's all these things. And then if you can put it on today and it still sounds great and it makes you feel good, it's it's a win. <laughs> it's a win-win. It- well, right, and I think that's why we 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 still listen to it to this day, and and I think I would I would challenge the listeners that you have to to do their own list and and have fun with it, and because yeah, I could change daily or weekly, and and it's it was a lot of fun. I had I went back and listened to so many albums I I hadn't really visited in a while, just to, to go back and and listen, and some of them you know I I still listen to currently. To this day, they're still on my playlist. Anybody who listens knows that my favorite band is Kiss. And Kiss had an album out in 89. And I do love Hot in the Shade. Uh, the problem, the reason I couldn't put Hot in the Shade on, though, is because I just think there's there's too many songs and there's too many duds. You know what I mean? There's some great songs like Rise to It, Forever, Somewhere Between Heaven and Hell, um, uh, Love Me to Hate You. There's some really cool stuff on that album. But as a complete coherent album i just i I, it couldn't it didn't stack up when i put it up against some of these other ones and another one of my favorite artists who had an album out in 89 was alice cooper with with trash oh yeah the thing Mm -hmm. is with trash and, and and this will probably infuriate somebody but for me trash alice cooper lost everything that was alice cooper in my opinion on trash you know he they were trying to mold him to be bon jovi and aerosmith that same that desmond child model and we lost the the horror aspect we lost some of the sarcasm to me it's just i think it's great because he got popular with poison and that is a great song but some of those other songs, man, they're just they're just not Alice Cooper. They could have been anybody could have did those songs. You know, the, it, any one of these bands that we mentioned could have did that album and it would have been successful. I just think the things that I love about Alice Cooper were stripped away for that album. So that's why, even though he's one of my favorite artists, I I couldn't put that on there. No, you you nailed it. That, I I said ones that didn't quite hit for me, and that's that's one of them. Along with Kiss, Kiss kind of lost me on Hot in the Shade. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, those definitely. I, I knew I could keep off my list, and even even the hard to leave off. It's like no, this was easy to kind of leave off. It was with Alice Cooper, Kiss, even Great White, Twice Shy, yeah, Aerosmith, uh, Pump. I don't know if that would fall into that at all, but um, that one just didn't do it for me. And then the hard one, I think, a little bit was was like White Lion's Big Game. Yeah, it just it just there was a couple good songs on a Little Fighter. The solo on Little Fighter was amazing. Oh but, yeah. But the, but the the rest of the album just it was just not there and no, um, kind of disappointing. Yeah, that was another one where it was like I thought about it and and then I was like, no man, there's just there's just too many dead spots for me on that one. I don't know what it is. I think the debut is stronger. Actually, I think I think main attraction is the best, but that's a whole other can of worms. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
Well, man, this was awesome. So what do you have any questions about things that have gone on in the podcast? Any Anything you want to talk about beyond this list? As far as the podcast, I mean, you're, you're bringing on so many great, great artists. Um, when you decided to do this, mm-hmm. and you are obviously trying to just get certain artists on your, uh, to get this going and, and reaching out, I, I guess I just don't know. How did you start to research some of the artists you wanted on your show? And then you, you nailed a lot right out of the gate. Right. I, I found you during during um, COVID time and sure. just doing some research on TNT. And I, I happened to come across the Ronnie the Take Row episode. And then and that's where I, I kind of got hooked on your podcast. And um, how did you go about getting some of these artists on your show? I, I got lucky out of the gate. I, and, and first of all, and uh, I think we talked about this, is that the, the, the Twitter account, uh, at 80s uh, Glam Model 1, uh, has been okay. through it, probably been the bargaining chip to get people on. Because when I started the podcast, I want to say the Twitter account had about 5,000 followers. So at that point, you know, it appears as though you have some kind of... Um, outlet to to promote this stuff so i think that's what got people in the beginning i mean that twitter account now has eighteen thousand followers so oh my i'm not on twitter so i did i I definitely didn't know that account has grown quite a bit and it's grown as along with the podcast so you know uh i don't know it's all working in sync with each other but in the beginning that was the bargaining chip, you know, and I, I just would go to contact us. Some of, okay, here's another thing, though. Some of these guys were following me on Twitter, and we were interacting on Twitter. So Ron Keel was like episode two. He was interacting with me. Jay Pepper from Tiger Tales. Those were the first couple ones. So since I knew them through Twitter and was able to direct message them, that's how things were kind of going. I was like, hey, you know, we got we got five thousand followers. Whoopee! You know, we're thinking about doing a podcast. I mean, it was just shot in the dark, you know. And luckily, these people were good, you know, good sports, and they played along with me. And uh, and then and then basically, then you can just use that. Now it's real easy when I just say, "Hey, I'm not saying it's easy. Sometimes it is hard to get certain people, but at least you can say, "Hey." Done a hundred episodes. Talked to Jolyn Turner, Bruce Kulick, Stephen Percy. Jack. You know, you could rattle it all off. Stories get carried. Your resume, yeah, by blabbermouth and and you know sleaze rock. So there's there's a whole spiel that I send out now, uh, and there's actually substance behind it. In the beginning, there was probably a spiel. It was like shining a turd. You know, I mean, there was nothing there, uh, but it, it's it started to grow into something that at least. It's, it's you know there's something there's some substance there. So I mean when when I look through who you've had on your show and and the reason I continue and and, and support I mean it's just you're you're just hitting all these artists and bands that that I grew up with and it's like yes it's so great you got them on the show can't wait to get, listen to it so it's uh, it's just pretty outstanding that you've been able to to keep building on this and uh, and get so much support. Yeah. Hey, man, hey, I appreciate you being a supporter of the podcast. And I appreciate anybody who sends uh, messages to me through Twitter, through Facebook. Uh, I got an email one day from somebody from Bangladesh, and they said they listened to the podcast. I'm like, how the? I'm just some regular guy that likes heavy metal. Some guy in Bangladesh is listening to the podcast. How cool is that? So that kind of stuff is like a shot in the arm. You know what I mean? That makes me say, like, oh, 
this this is people are liking this. You know, people are digging this. Let's let's keep it going. Let's see where we can go next. So um, I don't have any plans to stop, and I've got a lot more tricks up my sleeve, and and, and hopefully at the end of the day, you know, I'm just a fan. I, I'm you know, this isn't my job or anything like that. So you know, it, I'm just trying to get things ask the questions of things that I wanted answered or I thought about when I was a kid or even think about today and maybe they were the same things that you wanted to know. Obviously, I've got some eclectic taste when it comes to hard rock and heavy metal with you know with loudness and TNT and Lillian X <laughs> and all that kind of stuff. So I know a lot about all this stuff. I mean, I, just like you said, I used to read the liner notes and, you know, and, and I never really thought, you know, maybe I could do something with this stuff. You know, back in the day, it was just, I enjoyed music and none of that information ever left my head. You know what I mean? It's always been there. And it's so weird to think that all these years later that it served at least some kind of purpose, you know what I mean? And, and it'll always be there. That's the, you know, I always try to tell my kids, I always say, Hey, you know, put your efforts into something and, and you know, you, at least you'll get some kind of output, some kind of creative, you know, idea that you have, you know, at the end of the day, these, these episodes will always be around, you know, maybe they'll get discovered, you know, years from now, because the material is all for the most part old, you know, for, um, you know, we do, we always touch about what the artist has going on today, but we're always going back to stuff that people want to know from the past, whether it be the 80s right. or the early 90s or whatever. So it's it's kind of timeless information. So, you know, it's been fun. Well, you can tell you're a fan, and I just love you're, you're genuine, and, and I think that's what makes it more unique. I think you're uh, doing a fantastic job, and I, I just appreciate what you're doing, and I, that's why I love being able to, support what little I, I have, you know, what, what I can, and, but, but what the output that you're giving us listeners is, is, uh, is top notch. And I, and I just think it's it rocks. It's awesome. Thanks, man. All right, man. Well, Hey, have a great night, man. Thanks so much. All right. Thanks. Appreciate it, man. Take care. Well, that was fun discussing our list. Consider supporting the podcast through anchor and you may find yourself on your talking battle with me. What a treat. Rock on!